Hello there my friend and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In today's episode that is focusing on psychology, I want to continue on this idea of what it practically looks like in the therapeutic session and maybe less giving you the example of one of my patients today. I want to speak about something that seems to be the case for everyone that I meet and just everyone in general, and it's very much linked to the situation, I think, that we are in as well in the world. So I want to talk today about the difference between improving and supporting, because we truly need to know towards whom we turn when we're looking for support, right? Because to go to someone for support is actually very different to turning towards someone to help us improve. And we live in a world today where the, I would say the, the, the line between the two seems very blurry. It seems very blurry because as well, the type of people that are offering support versus improvement is also a little bit blurry. We live in a world of contrast. And when I say that we live in a, in a world of contrast, I also want to put the emphasis on the fact that this is shown by the number of people seeking help in the mental health area. And when I say mental health, that sounds very clinical and it sounds quite severe. And it's not necessarily the case. So we can also just... Um, call it actually looking for support, because really that is what it is. But it's part of this mental health field, and it's on a spectrum, because it's not all white or black. It's not all um, just wanting to go for the self-help section in the bookstore versus um, schizophrenia and locked into institutions. Mental health is on a spectrum in itself, and what is diagnosed as normal, in quotes, is actually simply a question of what the main population represents. That is actually really what normal means. You know that there's a curve of normality. And so what's represented by most people is what has been defined as normal. Which is why I'm telling you that it's important to understand that there's a difference between improvement and supporting. And there's also a whole wide range of states that we can call ourselves 
being part of the mental health spectrum. It is also very important to understand that more specifically, when we are talking about seeking help for our mental state, the reason that we need to seek support and not improvement in those moments is because usually what is lingering behind the feeling of being stuck is an experience that we seem to not be able to move beyond. And that is also what we call trauma. And when we deal with trauma, no matter how mundane it might seem as an event to other people, we always need to be in support and not in improvement. And I will explain why. I think that one of the first things to start with is to really tell you what the difference is between support and improvement. For instance, if I want to improve my skills in Spanish, I will seek a professional who wants to take me from A to B with a rather clear plan of progression, which means that we could even look into week by week how we are supposed to be progressing in order to stay in the plan of the improvement. We will check first of all my current level and then we will work towards improving that skill over time. And of course, unless I have a specific trauma linked to the learning process in general or to the Hispanic language in particular, there should be no specific resistance on my behalf other than just retaining new information in my mind and making that into um, something that goes into my memory. However, if I am trying to heal something instead, then I might be seeking help from a health uh, care professional, right? It could be a mentor, a teacher, a therapist, psychologist, a coach, all of these names that are all part of um, the support system that we can call it today. And it will then be very clear for me where my resistance is if this teacher or mentor or coach or psychologist is trying to improve me. If there's ever been a trauma in the situation, what we need to do in the first work, the first step of the journey, is to make amends with what is blocked inside of me from the point of the trauma and on. And what this actually means is that at some point in my life, there was an event that came into my existence as a charge resting in my body. And depending on how I then perceived the situation, if it seemed too charged, actually, that I, my organism just did not know how to process it, it would become a blockage inside of me instead. So it would stay and be stuck, which is why we have that feeling later on in life when something triggers us, triggers the memory actually of the event that stayed blocked inside of us, we will act or our whole organism, I should say, will act as if we're back at that moment. This is the reason why in triggering situations in a relationship, for instance, all of a sudden, someone might act like a five-year-old 
to their parents instead of a 35-year-old to their spouse, right? It is because it's triggering the traumatizing event inside of us that is blocked and we will experience this as if we're back there. And this is what's actually called in, in the therapeutic um, realm, the return of the trauma. And what you need to understand is that when I experience these kind of blockages or return of trauma, it is crucial to not try to put judgment or opinion or value onto this because it will only nurture actually the experience of the trauma. It will basically make us feel as if we're back in the trauma, living the exact same trauma once again, nothing is will really heal from it. How do we deal with trauma later on in life? We need to actually allow for it to take the space that it needs so that it unblocks and allow for it to become fluid again, if you will. And how do we do that? Naturally, we don't do that by triggering a fight, flight, freeze response, but on the contrary, by allowing it for the whole organism to be very relaxed so that we can realize that this charge, this emotional state that it might come into is okay to be, it is safe to be, and that I can see that the danger is actually not nowhere near me. So I can basically de-dramatize or disarm this blockage, this armor that has built up around the blockage, if you see what I mean. So this is why it's so important to adopt instead an attitude of support in these kind of situations and not a way of how can I move beyond this. To give an example that makes even more sense, probably, let's take a physical example of having uh, broken a leg. So when you're in a rehab facility because you've broken a leg and you can't even walk, you will, first of all, be helped to heal the wound and then most probably you will be supported to learn how to walk again and not begin to prepare for a marathon and that is the same thing actually and I want to bring up the situation of a yoga practice um, and that is also something that is very common because our ego takes over and and we have an idea that we need to improve because we live in a culture where improvement is our way to try to acknowledge our existence. And I want to say even that we have self-worth. So we often can be very appealed by the idea of going to a yoga class where the teacher is pushing us into challenging positions that we might also be able to make our way into, even if our bodies aren't really ready for it yet. And then we will feel the ego boost as we leave the class. But we might then encounter some issues the next day where we can be in pain. And the real way actually to deal with your yoga pose is, of course, to do something much more boring, which is basically to practice the position without forcing it. We have this idea that yoga is stretching and actually it isn't. Yoga is putting the body into positions where there's blockages and tensions and so that we over time actually release the tensions and all of a sudden when we've practiced the same pose for x amount of times we will be able to be comfortable in the pose. That is how we have released the tensions and how we have if you wish stretched out the tissues 
but yoga isn't stretching. And this is very common. I mean, myself, I have suffered many times with these kind of situations. Your whole yoga practice is really a trauma treatment where all the tightness and the blockages and whatever knots you have in the body, you come into your yoga practice and as you begin to move around, you will begin to encounter the blockages that you might not notice when you're not doing any physical activity at all. This is why people do yoga, feel the tensions, get the pains, and then think that it's yoga that, it's, that is wrong. Uh, that is not the case. The blockages were there all along. It's just that you weren't solicitating them when you were just sitting down uh, at your desk every day. So basically, in yoga, we work towards the traumas, we find the blockages, and then we sit there with them. A good, a good yoga teacher should not push you into going deeper, but instead support you in the pose where you are at, no matter what it looks like, because very often it does not look like we think it should look like, all right? And then over X amount of weeks or months or years, depending on how difficult it is for you to do this, you will begin to release the tensions and then the energy will flow freely, freely. Wow. And this is exactly what we're doing in the therapeutical situation. And this is why it's so challenging for a lot of people to accept the fact that therapy can sometimes take years. Because the idea is not to try to make a quick fix and get through it. The idea is to create a space that feels safe enough for the blockages to actually first of all come to the surface let them express them and then be there with their and be there as a support in it allowing for the negative emotions to be instead of trying to change them and this is the whole difference between a healthcare professional like a therapist like a psychologist um, like a like anything actually in that field where this is so crucial to deal with traumatic experiences compared to someone who is there to push you further, right? Like actually, I mean, a coach in the original sense would be, because when we say coach, original meaning would be more, most of us, I think, would agree on that in sports events, right? Or some kind of, well, even without it being sports, actually, when I think about it, any kind of coach who is there to kind of push us towards a goal that we have, right? I would say that that is kind of what the coach has. It has a goal for us. And that is not what the therapeutical situation has. There is no goal in that way. And that is what's challenging. And that is what a lot of people um, get frustrated with and then uh, interrupt their therapy because they get the feeling that they're not moving forward. It is really very sad to stop something because you have the feeling that it's not moving forward when we're in this therapeutic realm. And it is truly counterproductive. And this is why it's counterproductive. Because the reason that we're in therapy is because we are experiencing suffering. The suffering comes from the fact that we are resisting what is, which means everything that we have inside of us that feels painful so we're resisting all of that we have the blockages we have the traumatic uh, charge uh, lingering in the body which means that we just can't stand the present moment basically and we're finding distractions in all kinds of ways 
to get rid of it, to not be with it. If we can agree on the fact that healing in itself means experiencing the opposite of wounding, then naturally it's counterproductive to stop a therapeutic work that is not quote-unquote leading anywhere because what we really need to do in order to heal is to learn to accept what is since that is what we're resisting if you follow my thread of thoughts. I don't want to use that term but I'm going to use it only once now. The essence behind self-love or let's say self-acceptance if you will is to be able to be with everything that is you, flaws and imperfections included, and then be okay with that anyway, in the sense that I am here with all the pain and all the shame and the guilt and everything that I resent about myself, which is why I'm in suffering really, and I accept it. It really is a work of acceptance of self that the therapy offers to you which is why it might take a very long time because for many people the idea of accepting oneself the way we are is impossible it's impossible because we have never ever experienced what that actually looks like basically what i want to transmit as a message in this episode today is that you need to know what you're doing when you decide to seek support from someone. When I say you need to know what you're doing is you need to know towards whom you turn. And when you notice signs of people trying to improve you, you need to be very aware of what their intentions are. People will always try to help you improve because that's the only thing that we've learned that we're supposed to be doing, right? And this is the whole being the best version of oneself kind of stupid stuff that uh, goes around. You are the best version of yourself. The reason that it feels different to being the best version of yourself is because you're not accepting yourself. I met a guy some weeks back um, who was um, in terrible heartache, which is why he started speaking to me. He didn't speak to me because of my background. He had no idea who I was. And it was in a completely different context of um, a sauna. And he was actually speaking to his friend and then kind of asked uh, for my opinion because I was a woman and, and, and it was a, a love situation. Um, and the only thing that I could do in that moment was to just sit there and hold the space, like they say, and that's also one of those things to cringe to holding space. But um, I could just sit there and let him talk because actually there was no trying to give advice because what he needed was to express his pain. And as he was explaining how he was really trying to be the better version of himself and going all to these different self-improvement retreats and see shamans and energy healers and this and that, I said to him that maybe what you really need to do in order to feel that you're doing that work of being the better version of you 
is the work of accepting the pain and let it be as long as it needs to be there which was of course not the answer that he wanted to hear and so then he turned back to his friend <laughs> but it really is what we need to do so when you turn towards support make sure that that support is responding to what your trauma needs which is to be heard it really is just a question of being heard to express what is blocked inside of us there's a reason it's such a catharsis to just journal for instance because we're just letting out what we got stuck on our chest and it's the same thing when you go to your yoga class you need to be in a situation where you can allow for your body as it is today to hold the yoga pose and be okay with the fact that it might not look perfect because maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year, it will be. But you need to let that process happen in its own way or you will end up with injuries. Because see, that, that's the injuries. They don't come from the fact that yoga is dangerous, right? The injuries comes from the fact that you want to improve yourself even though your body isn't there yet. And that is, of course, what it's like in the clinical situation. We need to accept where we are at today in order to release the tensions. And that's also why you should never ask someone why they're depressed or why they are stressed. Because actually, most people don't know why. Okay, the why they don't know. If they had that, it would probably be more clear to them. The job of the person who, who consult them is not to help the person to improve themselves, but to be there as a support for where they are at today so that you can find a safe feeling with the blockages, with the negative emotions, with the fear, with the pain, with whatever it is, and let then the retention release that way. And it's only by supporting someone in their current situation that we can create enough of that relaxed state that they then can accept, just like in the yoga pose. Once we become comfortable in it, we relax and naturally we go deeper. The irony of it all is, of course, that the whole improvement thing actually naturally happens once we stop trying. If this speaks to you and you wish to find support, do seek either directly towards me, I definitely still have um, availability, or seek someone where you're at, wherever, whatever works with you. But do seek help and support without struggling so much for improvement. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being 
on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Namaste.